0: Well, today is part three of our series called Empty, where we started two weeks ago at Easter by looking at the empty tomb and how the empty tomb transforms everything about our lives. If we accept Jesus in our hearts and lives, his forgiveness, his leadership, he changes everything. Then last week, we looked at empty wallets and how that impacts our lives. We talked about how to get out of debt, how to stay out of debt. And just how to make sure you have a better future so that you can be more generous with everything that you have. Today I want to talk to you about one other thing that impacts so many people in our society, and that is empty relationships. Now as we get started here this morning, let me do a little bit of a survey. How many of you this morning are married? Let me see raise your hands. You're married, nice and high. Wow, lots of married people here today. You can put your hands down. How many of you are single? Let me see the single people. All right, lots of single people out there. All right, now that single people, let me ask you a question. How many of you are single, but you'd like to be married someday? Put your hand up nice and high. Now, keep them up nice and high. Keep them up nice and high. Look around. Maybe make a little love connection here today, yeah? <laughs> now, for those of you that got married, you looked for the one, right? You're like, I got to find the one, and then you found the one. How many are you ready to trade that one in for another one? Don't put your hand up. <laughs> 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 here, here. <laughs> Here's the point I want to make to you today. A lot of people are in search of the one. They've got to find the one. And if you're single, a lot of times you feel empty because you're like, "Ah, I'm missing something in life. There's just something missing that's there. I feel empty inside. And then for many married people, they they get married, but the, the spark is left. The magic isn't there anymore. You've essentially become roommates. And you're like, I feel empty. There's got to be more than this. And so what I want to talk to you today is what does the ideal relationship look like? In fact, Jesus, he, he talks about this a little bit. If you have your Bible, you want to turn to Matthew chapter 19. Jesus says this, haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning, the Creator made them male and female and said, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become what? The two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, while God is joined together, let man not separate. Notice he says that they are going to become one. So what I want to do today is share with you a, a similar message, actually, to, to what I did all the way back at the beginning of when Exponential first started, about how to find the one. How do you find the, the one? Because a lot of people, they're, they're in search of the one. In fact, you, you'll hear a young lady, she'll say, oh, I found this guy. And he took me out on a date. We we like went to a restaurant. We were sitting there. And we were eating and like this little burp came up. And it was so adorable. He was so embarrassed, but it was so cute. And then he took me back to his apartment. And he leaves his dirty socks everywhere. Apparently he needs somebody like me. (laughs) And then they get married. And her tune changes. You disgust me. You filthy pig burping and farting and leaving your dirty underwear everywhere. (laughs) She was in search of the one. She found the one and now she wants another one. But here's my, my point for you today. Today's key thought. To be happy and fulfilled in life, I must find the one. I've got to find the one. Now, that seems hard to do. And so people, that are in search of the one. They go through relationship after relationship after relationship. They're trying to find the one. But they can't seem to find the one. So they keep putting it off, putting it off, putting it off in search of Mr. Perfect or Miss Right. But here's a shocking statistic for you. put it on your outline. People are getting married later in life because they're afraid of getting burnt, but yet divorce rates are now nearing 60%. So what's the problem? Where did we go wrong? Well, I happen to agree with some others that have spoken on this subject and and topic that we went wrong, and, and we have such a high divorce rate in America because of the invention of the car. You're going, wait a second. Robert, did you say the reason we have such high divorce rates is because of the invention of the car? Yes, yeah, so let me explain. Up until about 100 years ago or so, if you wanted to get somewhere, you either had to walk or take your horse. And so what that meant is, You didn't travel much beyond your little local town. You you just stayed there. Everybody knew everybody. And if you saw a young girl and and you were interested in her, you would go to her father and ask for permission to court her. That's a term we don't use anymore, do we? To court someone. Did you know that the, the terminology for dating and the concept of dating is just simply not found in the Bible? It's a new concept. When did this concept start? It started with the invention of the car. Because up until that point, you courted someone. And here's what would happen. You knew this girl basically your whole life, or this boy your whole life. You had probably gone to school with them your whole life. The families knew one another. And either it was an arranged marriage or you fell in love with them at school, and you went to the father and said, can I have permission to, to court your daughter? And there was the families that were there. Each family knew each other, and they were speaking into this young couple's relationship. There was mentoring. There was a accountability that was there. But then with the invention of the car, now you didn't have to just date somebody from your town or court somebody from your town. Now you could date someone from another town could drive off a couple towns over and go out with this girl or with this guy to date them. You know, it's not uncommon anymore for, you know, a a 17-year-old boy to be in a car all alone with a 16-year-old girl. There is no mentoring. There is no accountability. There's nobody speaking into the relationship. In fact, a lot of relationships with teenagers anymore, their parents don't even know about it for months. And so is it any wonder that we have such a high divorce rate today? Is it any wonder that 96% of all males and 94% of all females now engage in premarital sex? That nearly 60% of marriages are ending in divorce because for both teens and adults, dating has encouraged people to start to do things that only married people are supposed to do. And so what happens is When the relationship doesn't work out, you're dating somebody, you break up with them and you try to find somebody else and you're trying to find the one, you're in desperate search of the one and and you keep searching and searching then you find somebody else and you date them, you do things that you shouldn't do and then that doesn't work out and so you break up with them and you just keep searching and searching and searching and searching. And so here's the problem with that, I put it on your outline this way, today's dating process for many is just practice for divorce. Because what you're doing is you're sleeping together, you're living together, you're doing things that simply weren't a part of God's plan for preparing for a marriage. You know, even if you take the Bible and God completely out of it, we all must admit that the amount of divorce and teen pregnancy and abortions and STDs in our country is just not a good thing. In other words, something's broke, something's wrong. And if we continue to do the same things we've always done, we're going to continue to get the same results we've always gotten. And so we've got to recapture what the Bible talks about when it says you've got to try to find the one. And what it means to have a, a good relationship with another human being. You know, for many couples, I think that as they're dating, the, the problem they make is they think all about like, the, the romantic side of the relationship. They think about the physical side of the relationship. They've never once thought about the spiritual aspect of it. That there's got to be a spiritual component to this relationship between man and woman. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today, is how to have a spiritual uh, aspect to your relationship, whether you're dating or courting or once you're married. You know, one day a guy came up to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, you're a pretty smart guy. He says, you you seem to know God's word and, and God's law. He says, but the, the Old Testament here, this, this, is a, this is a pretty big book here. He says, so Jesus, tell me, out of all 613 commands of the Old Testament, which one's the most important? And Jesus says this to him. We find it in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 to 39. It says, Jesus answered, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. This is the first and most important commandment. The second most important commandment is like the first one, and it is love others just as much as you love yourself. You know, the, the reason so many marriages are messed up today is that people haven't figured out how to apply these couple of verses to the relationship. You see, so often in life and in love and in our relationships, we're always looking about, what can I get? And so we, we do that when we're looking for this romantic type of love. It's like, I got to find the one. I've got to find somebody that, that will give me what I need, somebody that's gonna meet my needs, somebody that's gonna make me happy, somebody that's gonna give me peace, and somebody that will give me joy and life. I've got to find the one, I've gotta find the one, I've gotta find the one, I've got to find the one. But I want you to imagine this scenario for a second. Imagine a young guy comes up to you, he's a, a good follower of Jesus, and he's all excited. He says, I've met a girl, and she lost Jesus just as much as I do. And she looks pretty, and she smells really good. Man, I think that I found her. I think that I found the two. You're going, wait a second, Gilbert, the two? Yeah, exactly. I think I found the two. Look at your outline there. The reason that today so many people have messed up relationships is they've forgotten that Jesus is the one and their spouse is the two. Let me say that again. The reason today so many people have messed up relationships is they've forgotten that Jesus is the one and their spouse is the two. Jesus needs to come before anyone and anything else. Jesus has to come before your spouse. Jesus has to come before your job. Jesus has to come before your kids, your friends, your hobbies, whatever. Jesus has to be number one in every aspect of life. Remember I said to you earlier that the key thought for today is that to be happy and fulfilled in life, you've got to find the one? I wasn't kidding. But the one is Jesus. And then your spouse is number two. If Jesus isn't number one, your relationships are always going to suffer because only Jesus can satisfy. Only Jesus can give you that thing that you're longing after. When you're feeling empty, your relationships feel empty. It's because you don't have Jesus in his proper place. Because as long as you keep him number one, everything else will fall into place where it needs to be. In fact I would say this I put it on your outline pursuing your marriage or getting married more than God is idolatry two weeks ago when Lisa and I left here for Easter we traveled down to my family's house in Maryland and as we were traveling down there past this big it's it's like a park and and they do all kinds of like weddings and various outdoor events there and it reminded me of a, a girl at my very first church that I ever pastored at. She was in her early 30s or so. She came into the church, and she was looking for a husband. That's, I think, the only reason she came to the church. She was looking for a husband. Every single guy that came through the doors, man, she pounced, I mean, immediately. Are you married? Are you single? You want to go on a date? I mean, it was, it was freaky, like stalkerish, right? <laughs> Little psycho. And so this went on for years. And again, she tried to date every single guy, and some of them went out, and they came back and going, no, <laughs> never again. And then finally, one poor guy by the name of Danny, he took one for the team, and, uh, <laughs> and he, he married her. And I'll never forget the, the, the wedding. I didn't actually officiate the, the wedding, but I was there, again, at this beautiful park, and it was her dream wedding, everything she had ever wanted. She had been pursuing this for so many years. And then about two years after their marriage, they got a divorce. Why? Because she was pursuing a husband more than she had been pursuing Jesus. And again, pursuing a spouse more than you pursue Jesus is idolatry. Look at Exodus chapter 34, verse 14. It says, do not worship any other God for the Lord, whose name is what? Whose name is Jealous. He is a Jealous God. For those of you that are married, many times when your marriage feels empty, it's because you're looking to your spouse to do something that only Jesus can do for you. And again, for many of you, this can be traced back to your your dating. You were searching for the one. Somebody that was going to make you happy and supposedly you found the one. But now you found out that they're not exactly what they portrayed themselves to be. You know, you You were so excited. I mean, all the love songs on the radio finally made sense to you. You had found Mr. Right. But now that knight in shining armor turned out just to be a jerk with a tinfoil hat on, right? You were searching and searching and searching. But as it turns out, You were searching for the wrong thing. You need to pursue Jesus, number one. Jesus is the one, and then the spouse is number two. Now, when you switch your thinking to this, that I'm always going to put Jesus first, and then my spouse, not only does it change your thinking, it'll change your actions as well. It'll change the way you treat your spouse. Guys, let me talk to you first. What you need to realize is that, that women are multipliers by nature, okay? And so, guys, when you give your, your spouse, even if it's an old, run-down house, if you give that to her, she can multiply that. She goes, Whoosh. she multiplies it. And all of a sudden, it's not just a house, it's a home. It's, it's beautiful. She's made it into something that you've always wanted because she's a multiplier. You give her a couple dollars for the groceries, She's a multiplier. She multiplies it. Now all of a sudden, you got this like wonderful gourmet meal there. You're like, "How in the world did you do this? This is amazing, guys!" You give her your love. What does she do? She multiplies and gives you one child, two child, you know, five kids. You know. Guys, you give her a hard time. <laughs> whoosh, hell on earth. <laughs> Guys, let me say this. If you don't like what you're getting from your wife, consider what you're giving to your wife to work with. See, it's not her fault. It's your fault. You, you need to you need to give you need to love you need to sacrifice because if you give her a good thing she's going to multiply that and make it even better and your life's going to be better ladies let me talk to you for a second because i know many of you 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 grew up dreaming of the of the big house with the white picket fence the dog the 2.4 kids you know the, the you know they were perfect by the way you know obedient and everything and you were going to live happily ever after. Now you've gotten married and it hasn't worked out that way. And you're like, you know what? I do my part. The, the least he could do is meet me halfway. You know, I I give I give and give and give and give. I've given my half. He needs to give his half. Well, ladies, here's the problem. You're trying to apply Jesus' golden rule. You know the golden rule, right? Do unto others is... You would have them do unto you. You're trying to apply that to your marriage, but that doesn't work for marriage. Actually, there's a higher standard. In fact, here's what we should say. We should love our spouse just as Jesus loved us. That's a much higher standard because that is giving 100%. See, it's not you give 50 and they're going to give 50. It's each of you give 100%. Each of you willingly sacrifice and submit to one another. Look at Ephesians chapter 5 verses 22 to 26. It says, Wives, understand and support your husbands in ways that show your support for Christ. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does to his church. Not by domineering, but by cherishing. So, just as the church submits to Christ as he has exercises such leadership, wives should likewise submit to their husbands. Now, most guys like to stop there. That's like, The only verse most guys know is wives submit to their husbands, right? But guys, look what it says to you as it continues on. Paul says, husbands, go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church, a love marked by giving, not getting. Christ's love makes the whole church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her. Now, ladies, you're going, I'll start submitting just as soon as he starts sacrificing. But no, 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 no. Listen, it doesn't work that way. Guys and gals, you need to do your part even if your spouse isn't doing it. And so wives, submit to your husbands regardless of what he's doing. Now, unless he's asking you something that's ungodly. But other than that, submit to your husbands because if you'll start to do that, he will gladly sacrifice for you. And guys, same way. She only has to submit, submit. What does it say we as guys need to do? We need to love our wives just as Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? He was willing to die. He was willing to give up his own body. He was willing to sacrifice his life for the church. Guys, we need to do the same thing. And you need to sacrifice and sacrifice and sacrifice no matter what she's doing. Again, unless she's asking you to do something that's you know, un- ungodly, unscriptural. But sacrifice 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 and if you'll do that then she'll willingly submit but again it's about both people giving 100%. This isn't a 50-50 deal. You've got to pursue Jesus first and each other second with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And if you'll do that everything will start to turn or will turn out fine. Now I'd be remiss if I didn't talk to those of you that are here today and you are single. Because, again, you, you're, you're searching for a spouse. There's that empty feeling that there's got to be more. But let me remind you that what I said was this. Jesus needs to be number one. You're not ready to find the two unless Jesus is the one. Let me say that again. You're not ready for the two unless Jesus is the one. You've got to get your relationship with him right first and then once you have that now you can go out and try to find somebody give you a couple tips with that the first one would be this do not be unequally yoked you going, know, what in the world does that mean well a yoke is a, a piece of farm equipment it, it's a, a wooden thing that goes over the neck of animals two like-minded animals Two ox, two bulls, two horse, whatever. And Scripture says that we're not to be unequally yoked. In the same way you wouldn't take like a dog and a horse and yoke them together, it wouldn't make sense. Why? Because the horse will dominate that relationship. And see, when you you yoke two animals together, it's so that they can pull together in the same way to make the job easier. And so when it comes to a marriage, you, you want to be equally yoked with somebody that you're pulling in the same direction, that, that life and, and just everything in general is going to be easier because you're together. And so scripture makes it very, very clear that when it comes to marriages, do not be unequally yoked. In other words, you are pursuing Jesus with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. He is your one. You can't then date or marry an unbeliever. Why? Because you're unequally yoked, you'll be pulling in different directions. One of you is going to dominate the relationship. And your spouse is ultimately going to become jealous of your relationship with Jesus. Because you're putting Jesus one and them number two, whereas they're putting you number one. And ultimately, that's just going to create conflict. And so you can't be unequally yoked. You've got to find somebody else that's pursuing Jesus just as passionately as what you are. And so once you find somebody like that, two more tips for you, Then, The first one is this. Make sure you have something in common with them. I mean, this is potentially the person you're going to spend the rest of your life with. So be good friends. Have things in common. You don't want to just, like, try to impress them in order to get married, and then, like the rest of your life, you're just roommates because it's like, well, he likes this and she likes that. You want to enjoy life together. Then the other thing is this, be attracted to them. That's okay. It really is. You know, I've, I've had people through the years, I've heard them say, well, you know, I'm not really attracted to them, but they're so in love with Jesus, and I just, God, I see the beauty of Jesus shining through them. No! <laughs> I mean, hopefully they do have the beauty of Jesus shining through, but you need to at least, I mean, the rest of us may not think they're hot, but at least in your mind, they, they, you need to think that they're hot. Be attracted to them. Again, this is the person you're going to spend the rest of your life with. So passion for Jesus first, but then make sure that you're physically attracted to him. Make sure you have things in common with them. And then once you have all three of those things in alignment, then you got to get together with that person and determine Are we better off together serving Jesus as a husband and wife than we are separate? And if the answer to that is yes, then guys, get a job, move out of mommy and daddy's basement, pay cash for a ring. We talked about that last week pay cash for a ring, put it on her finger and say, Will you be the two? Will you be my two? Now, for all of us here today, let me say this, whether you're single or married, I want you just to simply consider what place does Jesus have in your life? Is he number one in every aspect of your life? For those of you that are married, is he number one even before your spouse? Is he number one before your job? Is he number one in your finances? And if he isn't, just be honest and say, Jesus, I don't want to be that way anymore. I want to change. I don't want to feel empty anymore. See, anytime we pursue anyone or anything else before Jesus, you're always going to be left feeling empty. Everyone else and everything else will ultimately let you down. So he's got to be number one. He's got to be the one. And so just pray and ask him to to be first in your life. Ask him to fill you more of your spirit so you don't have that empty feeling anymore. Again, whether you're single or whether you're married today, the secret, the key to finding happiness in life is you've got to find the one. Jesus is the one. He'll never let you down. If you have that right, then find somebody else in life who they're pursuing him as the one, and then come together as husband and wife and serve him together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this uh, day and this opportunity we've had to come together to worship you through music, and just a little bit we'll worship you through the our giving. And Lord, today we're also worshiping you through the preaching and the teaching and the hearing of your word. Lord, this isn't just something that you want it to go in one ear and out the other. You, you want us actually to, to take these words now and, and allow the Spirit to, to speak to us, to tell us, okay, what is it that I need to do as a result of this message? And so, Lord, I, I pray for all the single people that are here today and, and that longing they have for companionship. Jesus, help them to know that you are the ultimate companion, that as long as they have you, they, they don't really need anybody else but yet sort of the bonus of life is that you do give us husbands and you do give us wives and so Lord I I pray that as they seek you with all their heart that Lord you would put somebody in their path that is just as passionate about you and that Lord it'd be somebody they have a lot in common with it'd be somebody that they're attracted to and that Lord they would not look at this This thing is a dating process, but a a courtship process of, is it possible that this could be a person that I could serve Jesus and his kingdom better because I'm with this person as their husband or as their wife? And Lord, we wouldn't just casually date, but we would always see that the dating is just preparation for marriage. And so Lord, I, I pray again for all the singles here today, that they would keep you one and that they wouldn't allow the pursuit of a spouse to become idolatry in their lives and Lord I, I pray for those that are, are married here today that Lord if if things just aren't going as well as what they could that each person wouldn't point their finger at their spouse but they would look at themselves in the mirror and say okay what do I need to do what do I need to do to better submit what do I need to do to, to better sacrifice how can I just Love and love and love and love and love my spouse regardless of what they're doing in the hopes that that love, that submission, that sacrifice will change their heart. Lord, I I, I pray that lives and, and marriages and relationships would just be completely transformed because of this message today. That we would take our eyes off of our spouse, and fully on you, and that we would say, how can I live for Jesus more? And how can that reflect in my marriage even more? Lord, I thank you that I know there are many great stories of great marriages here at Exponential. And so, Lord, I pray for those couples that that would continue to be strengthened, that they would never take that relationship for granted, that they would continue to to do all the things that they've been doing throughout the years to to have made it such a great marriage up to this point, that they wouldn't allow anything to slip. And Lord, I pray that they would come alongside other couples and mentor them and, and hold them accountable and just say, hey, here's how we did it, and here's how you can do it as well. Jesus, truly, we are better together. We're in this together. And so, Lord, help that to be one of the the testimonies of this church is that exponential, you can go in and get the keys for a better marriage relationship. Marriages can be restored. Marriages can be made whole. They can be turned around because of the power of Jesus and his spirit. Father, thank you that you are a miracle-working God That because the tomb was empty, you can give us a brand new life. Help us to accept that. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.